Serie A fans, benvenuti. This is the Serie A podcast at Total Football Analysis. I am Daniele Proc, and as always, I am joined by Chris Mumford. You guys know him. He's the host of the EPL show, and he's a professor of innovation at the University of Chapel Hill in North Carolina. Chris, uh, are you getting ready for the new semester at UNC? I am. I am. In fact, students are, are probably moving in now and over the weekend, and uh, they're still hoping to get face-to-face classes in on February 8th, but uh, we are right in the middle of the pandemic. So uh, time will tell on that. Uh, and in fact, uh, there are soccer showcases that are still going, college showcases down in the southern states where uh, regulations are a little looser. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's uh, it's a a strange time right now, but I'm hopeful because those the vaccines aren't too far away. I actually just signed up um, uh, to to get on the list. So things are happening. Uh, let's hope that they hope happen faster rather than slower. And How are you, you also, doing? Yeah, you also have one or two books that you're about to publish. Uh, I know they're not critiques of Donnarumma's goalkeeping skills. So I wonder what are they all about? Well, I just submitted a first draft to Columbia Business School Press on sports entrepreneurship. So I focus on areas where the highest growth is happening, analytics, uh, esports, um, sports betting, uh, fitness, uh, fan engagement, uh, and then youth sports. Um, The COVID pandemic has really accelerated and destroyed some of the trends in those areas. So I break that down uh, and... The second book I'm working on is actually a soccer parent's handbook uh, okay. because, you know, the game's changed so much, even the last few years. And, um, you know, as a player, coach, uh, and parent, and parent uh, I share what some of my perspectives are along with a, a very prominent uh, youth soccer coach, Scott Martin. Yeah, I really look forward to getting my hands on, uh, on those books. For today, Chris, let's begin by talking about Roma-Inter, the game of the weekend. The score was 2-2. Chris, I couldn't catch the game live because I myself was traveling for an away game. But I know you, Chris, couldn't unglue your eyes from the television screen during that game. Do you want to start off by breaking down maybe the key moments or or key facts about this game? Well, you know, it was one of those games that could have been awesome or really average and it ended up being awesome and that really excited me and i'm going to tell you why there were 30 shots taken in that game 13 shots were on goal uh ex- expected goals was uh two for enter and 1.88 for roma mm-hmm. so guess what the final score was 2-2 um, in terms of playing styles roma really went at it in a big way uh, you know, they're very aggressive possession, positive football, while as yet, you know, Inter sat in on their signature 3-5-2 uh, and looked for the counter and ended up having some success with with some uh, with a set piece. And uh, it was just one of those games where the pace of play was just beautiful. Um, the touches, uh, the second goal of Inter, it, it was it was a it was a true team goal, six or seven players um, must have touched that ball before it went more or less from end to end. And that's kind of why you watch football is just to watch the beauty. What was your take on, on how the goals um, evolved? Yeah. I would like to, to break down each of the, of the four goals that were scored in this game because they're all 
particular in their own way. So let's begin with the 1-0 goal by, by Lorenzo Pellegrini. We have Veretout that wins a ball back and quickly starts the transition to Roma's offensive third. He finds Jacko, who in turn finds Mkhitaryan. Now, Mkhitaryan does something simple yet fundamental. He sets up Pellegrini with a one-touch for, for a shot from outside the box. Now Pellegrini hits the ball perfectly with a strike across his body for a 1-0 goal. And uh, that really made me happy to see Pellegrini back in form. The equalizer for Inter was a goal by, by Skriniar from a, from a corner kick. And here, I really don't know what happened with Roma's uh, zonal marking. It simply didn't work because Skriniar jumps almost without a run up. So you got to mark that if you're marking in a, in a zonal uh, style of defense. Now, Chris, the Akimi uh, goal speaks for itself, right? He, he moves the ball from the right foot to the left foot and strikes the ball. And, and then the ball does something that is always wonderful to see in football, which is the ball hits the crossbar first, hits the post after, and then goes in. And that's just, it's just uh, magnificent to see. Now, the equalizer uh, coming three minutes before stoppage time. It's a, a header by Mancini, but let's see how the goal was set up, right? So it starts from a corner kick for Roma. And I'm not sure why. And the corner kick was hit, uh, was kicked uh, short. I'm not sure why Inter sends out only one man to defend two guys from Roma, precisely Diar and, and Pellegrini. So you have now Brozovic engaging in a one versus two. And it's hard for a lone man to defend both guys. So it's obviously the cross happens and Villar can ping a nice ball inside of the box. Mancini is physically strong to take position and deflect the ball with his head. Chris, the performance of, uh, of Roma's goalkeeper was, was key in this game. Would you agree to, to maintain first, you know, um, Roma at touching distance from Inter and then overall to just allow Roma to walk away with, with a draw? I, I think so. I mean, I think that um, it's those situations where that's why people between the sticks need to get paid more money, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I just, I thought the, it was such a beautiful story of 90 some odd minutes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel that Roma at number three and Inter at number two, it's exactly the way you want a game to be. And I just think that there were some um, some individual moments. Uh, you know, we've talked about Pellegrini and Mkhitaryan being the the, uh, the leaders of the engine room of that team. That ended up proving to be the case against a very, very difficult side. Uh, the Hakimi finish again, there were five or six players that needed to work together to get the ball to him. Lukaku made that run in the middle to create a little extra space, maybe give Hakimi a just a, uh, an extra yard so he can take that shot from the right side there. So it's just all the parts of a good game were captured uh, in that. And I'm hoping that if, if everything goes right, I'll see two or three more matches like that during the rest of the season. Chris, very quickly, you mentioned Pellegrini and Mkhitaryan. They're both running out of contract soon. Mkhitaryan at the end of this season and Pellegrini at the end of next season. And Pellegrini is older. He's over an over 30-year-old player. Um, sorry, Mkhitaryan is older. While Pellegrini is obviously younger. Um, but like you said, they're doing extremely well for their side. So I see the freaking group 
um, you know, renew the contracts of these players. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of negotiation for the for the figures, but they're just proven uh, fundamental for uh, um, for Fonseca's side. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is this. Mkhitaryan at 31, uh, I still think he's got a couple more uh, years in him. Uh, of course, you have to take your risks at players over 30. Um, Pellegrini's 24, so he's probably got two big contracts left in him. And I'm just wondering if Roma's going to pay up. And uh, I just, it's going to be tough in this uh, in this environment, but you just wonder if if someone in the Premier League or or elsewhere, yeah. or of course you always have to worry about Juve lurking. Them. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and so uh, you know, Juve doesn't just beat teams; they buy buy the talent of the teams that they're beating. So um, we'll, we'll kind of keep our fingers crossed because I just I really like what Roma is putting together. If you remember in the beginning of the season, we wondered if they were the real deal or not, and mm -hmm they do have several hard, hard games that are coming up and uh, we're going to get a sense on, are they the real deal by probably the end of February? They seem to be the real deal, Chris, because they're now third with uh, uh, 34 points, three points from Inter who are second and six points from Milan who are first. They do have a tough game coming up, the Derby della Capitale, but we'll talk about it later. First, let's focus on what happened in Turin because Juventus beat Sassuolo 3-1, but that was an exquisite game, Chris, because of the quality that both sides showed. Um, first off, the game started off in a pretty difficult way for Juventus because you have the, they had injuries in the first half for McKinney and for Dybala. What happened is Kuluzewski came in and he, he absolutely changed the game with his movements, with his left foot, with his cutting. Um, Juventus then uh, was able to play with one man up due to Obiang, uh, red card in the in the first half. Danilo hit, I don't know, Chris, if you caught it, but Danilo had a fantastic strike to put Juventus ahead of Sassuolo. What I really like about Sassuolo is that despite playing with one man down at Turin, so playing away, they kept continuing playing their brand of football. That's a trend, a pattern we've mentioned before, and they were able to equalize with a pass from um, Traore, he found the feet of Defrel. Defrel was in between uh, the two center backs for, uh, of Juventus, Bonucci and Demiral. The first touch was amazing. Just he set, he set himself up for the shot and beat Chesney. Uh, then Juventus went on to, to winning the game with Ramsey and Cristiano Ronaldo. But what are your takes on, uh, on the game, Chris? Do you have any, uh, any key stats that you, will, you would like to mention? Well, it was another fun game to watch. I mean, there were 33 shots total. Um, Juve had nine on target. Unsurprisingly, Sassuolo had two. And it was one of those instances where Juve actually uh, had most of possession, but that's because when Juve went down, I'm sorry, when Sassuolo went down to 10, uh, you know, it was uh, very, very difficult to do that. So I admire that Sassuolo uh, was able to get it out uh, as, as much as it did. I am, as a fan, I'm very disappointed about that red card because I think that could have been really? just one, uh, another, well, I'm not disappointed. I, I think it was a red card. Right. I'm just disappointed that a paid professional soccer player <laughs> is going to slide in studs up like that. Um, it's just, it, you put your team at such a ginormous disadvantage. And Sassuolo, we talked about last week, what a great job they were doing. And um, so I just feel like they shot the, 
shot themselves in the foot a little bit. And Juve, to their credit, they took care of business. Mm -hmm. um, they had a bumpy beginning. And they're kind of crawling their way back up to almost like the sense of inevitability, uh, assuming that, uh, you know, the the Milan teams can can keep pace. You know, Inter really could have used those two extra points against Roma, but didn't happen. So Juve is doing exactly what it's doing. Sassuolo, let's hope that they they keep the uh, the spirit alive and keep going. Um, but uh, it was a very entertaining match, um, though. Watching someone with eleven versus ten does take some some drama out. Uh, I just ap appreciate the bravery of Sassuolo. Let's put the spotlight on Sassuolo's midfielder Manuel Locatelli, because Man City reportedly offered thirty million pounds. To, uh, to sign him. Manuel Locatelli is 22 years old. He was recently called up by Roberto Mancini in the Italy national team. And, uh, you know, his passing range is great. His vision too. What I especially appreciate about his playing style is how he always first looks at the teammate that is in front of him, not on his side. So the first thought that he has when receiving the ball is, okay, now I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go I'm going to break lines with a nice pass um, forward, not sideways, which is something that I would argue many midfielders like to do just because, you know, when pressure is on, especially it's maybe a safer way to play. But Chris, I wanted to, to get your take on um, how do you see him fit Pep's midfield or would you say that a midfielder can be the, the solution to Man City's problems? Well, so I think this is a really savvy um, long-term play. Um, Locatelli is 22, and my sense is that they're going to bring him in um, as backup for Fernandinho, um, who's in his mid-30s right now. And Fernandinho is top of class, right? Just outstanding. Um, but uh, and, and he's been, been able to step in as the center back when needed. And I think what Uh, Man City's thinking is that Locatelli has a lot of the same characteristics that Fernandinho has, except that he's 13 years younger. He's only 22 years mm -hmm. old. And he's just, you know, he is in the top 30 in terms of successful defensive actions uh, per 90 minutes in Serie A. Uh, and, you know, what makes him really special is his his long passing ability. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the it, I've been on the Um, in the matches I have seen him play, just the weight that he puts on some of these passes, it's just, it's really hard to teach that. Um, and uh, he, he knows how to do it. So I just think this is a really wise move if Man City can pull it off. I think they can get a backup to Fernandinho fairly inexpensively uh, in, in light of the fact that we're in, in COVID. Yeah, Chris, and uh, on Wednesday evening, I was um, looking at the news and there was quite an interesting story that popped up on my, on my feed because Bloomberg uh, reported that uh, Amazon is going to bid for Serie A television rights um, to have games, Serie A games streamed on their prime video platform. So the offer is reportedly $1.4 billion for each of the next three seasons. And Gazzetta dello Sport today match the story uh, adding how this will be 
an offer that um, is $214 million higher than what current TV rights holder uh, Sky and the Zone are guaranteeing in, um, in these tr three years. I don't want to draw any conclusions because this is clearly a deal in its early stages, but what can we say uh, about Serie A, um, about Italian soccer as a whole, looking for you know external help maybe, Chris? Well, I think you have to kind of look at the big picture. Uh, there is an absolute war going on with the streaming services, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix, Disney, Apple TV. And, uh, and of, uh, as part of Disney is ESPN. Uh, so right now, um, the real trick is Amazon needs content. Mm -hmm. And... Comparatively speaking, and making movies is pretty expensive compared to live TV. So Amazon got a little bit of taste with the Premier League, and now they are um, looking to see with City A, which gets decent love on ESPN, but still isn't the showcase. And I think this is Amazon's move to get into football in a big way uh, and really bring City A to the world and, and, and the U.S. in particular. Um, and I, I just, I really welcome it because I think City A deserves more love. Uh, you know, I think it's an underappreciated asset, certainly in the U.S. Um, and I think the storylines and the, uh, though the parody hasn't existed for the last nine years, I just see that some parody coming together in the next two to three years. Uh, and there's just some really, really good football be playing in City A and Amazon wants a piece of that. Yeah, and uh, like you said, Serie A has attracted players like Cristiano Ronaldo, like Romero Lukaku, like Christian Eriksen, Zlatan Ibrahimovic came back. So definitely the interest is growing from a global audience. And um, yeah, Serie A maybe is trying to, you know, capitalize on that, to take advantage of it. And we know that they've created a, um, a new media company and they've agreed to sell 10% of their uh, broadcasting rights to a consortium of companies. Uh, of foreign companies so that's another move moving that direction and um so we'll see we'll see what happens with with amazon bid apparently uh, there's going to be uh, more information on january 26th but we'll keep an eye on it chris for now let's focus on what's happening this weekend because we have two derbies okay we have the derby della capitale which means derby of the capital between lazio and roma chris historically this is one of the hottest derby in terms of temperament opta sports last year reported that it's the derby with more red cards than any other derbies in europe and i can attest to that because just by watching games you can tell how things get personal for players on the pitch what do you expect in this game besides perhaps a lot of aggressiveness and a lot of a lot of competition well, you know, the, the playing styles, we know how Roma wants to play, uh, which is pretty positive. And quite honestly, Lazio likes to do the same thing, too, um, though maybe not as aggressive. Um, you know, I, I, I think th this game is largely going to be won or lost in, in the midfield. Uh, and um, I am hopeful that it's a high-scoring game. I could easily see it being a 3-1 Roma game or a 1-1 draw uh, probably equal probability um just because as you know sometimes these uh these grand matches these derbies uh, are not are a little anticlimactic um 
So I want La Cielo to be successful, but I just, I feel like they're missing a gear this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw that for large parts pre, pre-COVID last year, but I just feel like they haven't really kind of gotten back to that point yet. And I think it might be that the roster is a year older. Um, I say that and Mkhitaryan's 31 years old, so uh, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't buy into everything. What's your take on how that game is going to unfold? Yeah, I was going to say that we talked before, even at the beginning of the season, of how Lazio really haven't added much to their roster and that can kill them in the, in the long run because they're playing uh, Champions League. Obviously, they're doing fine because they went to the round of 16 of Champions League, but they definitely dropped points in Serie A. I mean, right now they sit eight. Um, in the standings with 28 points, but Roma is definitely approaching this game in a, in better form, right? They just tied Inter and their, their third. The lineup should be, the two teams should line up both with a, a, a three-man defensive line. The, the matchups on the on the wing should be Lazzari and Karsdor uh, and Marzic and, uh, and Spinazzola. On top for, uh, for Lazio should be uh, Immobile and Caicedo and then on top for, for Roma there should be Pellegrini, Mkhitaryan, and and Jacko. Um, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a, a, an interesting game. I do see a lot of goals being scored just because it's it's the nature of these these two these two teams. Um, but Chris, that's that's not the only derby of, of this weekend. So get ready to sit on the couch and and spend your weekend watching watching Serie A because we have the Derby d'Italia, which means Derby of Italy. Between uh, Juventus and um, and Inter, um, Inter will, will play at home on um, on a Sunday uh, night here in Italy on Sunday afternoon in the US. Chris, just what are if if you were to give a couple of of thoughts on on this game, what what would you say? Uh, how which one which side do you see approaching the game in in better in better shape? Well, this is a tricky one because I feel like Juve. I'm not exactly sure which which version of Juve we're going to get this weekend. Um, one that seemed to be a little um, lacking focus. Um, you know, there are some real, obviously, standout performances that I think have have uh, helped Juve this year. Um, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, there's some injuries that, that we have to be concerned about. Um, Inter, on the other hand, they're going to sit back with their 3-5-2. They're going to let Juve bring it. Um, you know, I, um, I, I'm not sure I, that Juve's team has really solidified Pirli's um, philosophy in there because we've seen uh, maybe 20 or 30 minutes of a time of that. Uh-huh. This would be a great time for the, the players to to really express that. But this game, I I probably see an a, I see a, a 2-1 um, Juve win on this one, oh. to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, as you know, I'm a huge fan of, of Lukaku and, and, and the boys in, in, in blue and black. But I just feel like... They're they're probably missing another piece to be able to compete against just the you know flat out talent that Juve has is just but they might get lucky that's why you got to play the game what's your take and let's not forget that both teams they played in overtime in the Coppa Italia in the League Cup yeah in, uh, yeah during midweek games so they're probably gonna be a little tired but isn't fatigued uh, 
one of the main trends of of this season where the schedule is so thick. By the way, Chris, I, I, I threw out some Italian. Derby d'Italia didn't explain what that means. It's just a term that was used to describe uh, the rivalry between Inter and Juventus because um, they used to be the only two clubs to not have been in, in Serie B, right? Um, and also, it's the name comes from the importance of the, the, the two clubs and the, the two families, uh, Moratti and, uh, and Agnelli, Uh, used to have, and obviously Agnelli is still the owner of Juventus uh, on Italian soccer. We know that Calciopoli happened in 2006, and then Juventus was relegated to, to Serie B. But, uh, and Inter, Chris, you're a fan of Inter, is, remains the only club to not have been relegated to Serie B. How does that sound? Hmm. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh, doesn't surprise me. Um, I am, um, you know, I... I hope that they're able to win this Scudetto soon. Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen this year. They will try to break Juventus's defense with, uh, um, it looks like there's going to be a Lukaku and Lataro on top with Young and Akimi on the, on the wings. And Juventus will respond with McKennie if he's fit. Uh, in the middle with Bentancura, Ramsey. And on top, there should be Morata and Ronaldo. You know who I liked? Um, who, I, who there's a player that I think is really standing out in this in this past games, and that's Federico Chiesa, right? Maybe he struggled a little bit at the beginning, coming from Fiorentina. Maybe he had to get used to the new rhythm of Juventus, but right now he's killing it. He's, uh, he did greatly against Milan and San Siro. He did well in the past game uh, as well. And that's, Chris, we're talking about another Italian player. We just talked about Locatelli. We're talking about Chiesa. There's Euros, Euros 2021 coming up. Um, I don't know. This Italian team is starting to look to look young, fresh, and talented. Um, we, we'll talk more as we approach the, the summer, but would you agree that there is a, a rhythm, uh, sorry, there is a trend of Italian players, you know, coming, coming up and, uh, and really taking over in, in the respective sides? Yeah, I would say absolutely. And fortunately for AC Milan, you've got uh, some real uh, young standout players there. I mean, I, I think they could make a good showing in Euro 2021. Uh, I think they're probably a bit young, could be more like 2022 or 2023, depending on how they end up calling it um, or, or, or beyond. Uh, I don't see that happening this year with heavyweights, France, England, uh, Denmark, I'm sorry, um, uh, Holland, you know, there, there's some, uh, they got some pretty big, big, um, mountains to climb, but that being said, you know, I think I'm hoping that the Milanese fans like the rest of Italy are, are learning patience, right. That you can't have overnight success. And I do think you're right. I think from a, call it 19 to 22 or 23 years old. I think Italia has as, as good of s squads as, as anybody out there. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see. Um, it's obviously early to talk about Euros and we'll, we'll discuss more as, as we approach December. But uh, Chris, is there any other game that you're looking forward to, to watching this week uh, besides the two ones that we just mentioned? 
Well, I, I think those are those are the two that that are going to grab my my attention the most. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to be greedy at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, it's those are the two that I've got um, circled front and sense center. Always pay attention to what Atalanta is up to. Um, Milan's playing against Calgary, uh, so you know, quite honestly, I'm going to focus on those two derbies. Yeah, I think that Monday night is is great to just focus on the on the Calgary Milan matchup because if you know if Inter gets away with with a win against Juventus, that that's some pressure for for Milan to win away against a team that is not really doing too well. Calgary, right? They, they've lost um, a few of the last games, so that's going to be interesting. And um, now I'm also keeping an eye on uh, uh, even more on Atalanta because. Yes, they don't have Papu Gomez anymore. Their star player, their fantasista, their number 10. But they have a, a re, uh, regenerated uh, Josef Ilicic. His, his left foot is just one of the most educated left uh, feet in um, left foot in the in the league. And uh, yeah, that's it. I think I agree with you. Definitely Lazio Roma and um, and um, the Derby d'Italia. So Chris, thank you for thank you so much for uh, for uh, for this. Well, um, I'll see you I'll see you in a week talking about again talking about culture. What you got going on this weekend besides watching um, games? <laughs> watching games, uh, we're having a, a kind of a warm uh, spell here, so uh, we'll spend some time outdoors. Uh, desperate to play pickup, but uh, my strained MCL is telling me I need a longer. So, uh, but no complaints uh, on the mend. So, uh, look forward to, uh, to overeating and, and maybe, uh, drinking just a bit too much this weekend, uh, during the games. And, and you continue to develop your Lukaku skills when, when you feel better with your knee, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> That's, That's exactly perfect. Right. That's perfect. Sorry, fans. We'll see you guys next week. Ciao.